Wine and True Crime lovers. I'm your host, Brandy. And I'm Jamie. And this is Texas Wine and True Crime. We do what we do so we can see you. Thanks for being here, friends, for Season 2, Episode 4, The Man Behind the Massacre. All right, Jamie, well, here we are, Episode 4 of Season 2. Woo woo. <laughs> Anything new with you? <laughs> no. Little rhyme this morning for our friends out there. Weird weather today. It is kind of funky Storms weather. Storms this morning were And weird. what is up with traffic on oh my God. our tollway here on a Saturday? Guys, people are working from home now. I drive on that sometimes during the week. And there ain't nobody on it. And people are out working. No. I mean, I do... I, you know, out to the job site or wherever, wherever I'm going, it's there's a lot less traffic during the day than there is on every weekend. It's so weird. It is weird. I know. Do that shit at night, even though, well, and yet it's a tollway. So there's not really like a bunch of house. There's like no housing right there. I'm just tired of paying to sit in traffic. It doesn't make any sense, right? Yeah. Like, it's not paid off yet. I think they told us. We like, paid it off 15 million times in positive. <laughs> All right. Well, traffic sucks, but we are drinking wine. So yep. that always makes things better. All right. So the crime we chose for this week is the case of George Hennard, the Luby's Massacre. The wine for this week comes from our friends at Salado Winery. Okay, so Salado, 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 which is <laughs> Spanish. Uh-huh. It means salty. Right. Salado is how growing up in Texas, I pronounce it. Um, so I'll probably say Salado. But if you live in Salado and you call it Salado, are we wrong? Just I need to know. Because growing up, we all said Salado. So that's my comfort and when I'm talking. But let us know if people out there call it Salado, because um, according to Google Translate, that is actually how I'm supposed to be saying it. But I'm going to go with Salado. All right. So we are sipping on a 2018 Loyal Blue, 100% Tempranillo grapes grown right there in Temple, Texas, and aged in medium toast American oak. We are tasting for plum and strawberries along with graham crackers. Yummy. Mm -hmm. And the wine label for this week, I love it. So they put different animals on their wine labels. And this label features a blue lacy. And Jamie, I did not know this, but um, this happens to be the stage dog breed of Texas. Oh, okay. He's real cute. He is adorable. And Chris actually went to someone's house who had a blue lacy. And that's the only reason he knew that. But I had no idea. Well, I didn't either. It kind of looks like a lab, but like taller. Well, Long, Chris, longer legs. He's... They they're on farms, right? Isn't that what they told you? Yes. They're hunting dogs, right? Yeah. No. Never. Uh, yeah. Never known anyone with one, but yeah, well, he's a handsome fella. He is so cute. Label Salado Winery. Thank you so much. And of course, hang out until the end so you can catch our wine reading and reviews and learn more about our friends at Salado Winery. All right, so before we jump into the show, Jamie, do you want to let our listeners know where they can find us on the land of social media? They can get us on Instagram at Texas Wine and True Crime. You can also check out our website at TexasWineandTrueCrime.com. And now you can find us on Facebook also. Just search Texas Wine and True Crime and click join. 
We love interacting and getting to know you guys. Yeah, our group's growing. It's been fun. Mm -hmm. So thank you guys for all being there. And if you listen on Apple and enjoy the show, you know, hop on, give us five stars. It only helps us. And don't forget to subscribe so your phone can have that episode ready for you when it comes out. And please visit our website to sign up for exciting news like Swag Chat, upcoming episodes. We've got a lot coming up this year. So, guys, make sure that you've given your email address. We don't send you random emails. Jamie, I'm not going to sit here and send people emails all day. So don't worry about being spammed, guys. Just sign up so you don't miss anything coming up. Um, All right. So if you want to show us some love and support, um, and thank you, everyone who has supported and bought us some wine. Thank you again, Salado Winery. I'm going to thank you a million times, Salado. (laughs) today, by the way. But I thank you for sending us wine. So super sweet. This wine's good. It is very good. Um, And you can go to that little link on our website that says buy me a coffee. But we like coffee, but we prefer to drink some wine on this show. Um, You can help keep the decanter full and it is always appreciated. All right, Jamie, you ready to get into this week's case, The Man Behind the Massacre? Oh my God. I've never read so much about one case, that's for sure. I know. There was a lot to read. And and um, I hope we tell this story and do it justice for the victims. This yeah. was a tough one. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned a lot about this case, and I definitely do remember it. I was 13 years old when it happened. Yeah. Um, so let, let's start with um, with George Chenard, right? So this case, we're talking about George Chenard, which was the Luby's massacre out of Colleen, Texas. Now, of course, we want to give some facts about Colleen for our friends outside of Texas. So here we go. Number one, Colleen is home to the well-known military base, Fort Hood. Um, Now, Jamie, we know being true crime fanatics, we've read some stories about Fort Hood. I'm like, Fort Hood's got its own set of problems. We may even have to have a whole series about Fort Hood. Like, that's how much shady shit has gone down at that place. Yeah, there's been a case not too long ago. Yeah, she was... Yeah. Disgusting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, I'm sure we're going to be covering a case or two out of Fort Hood in the, in the near future. Number two, the city was named for a railroad executive, Frank Patrick Colleen, who not only was not from this area, Jamie, but he actually never stepped foot in the town of Colleen. So he has a town named after him, but he's actually never been there. Hmm. Now, that's some that's some that's like some power there yeah wait wait, wait hold like, on i was gonna i was looking for a word what is that oh man it was good too <laughs> um i was i'm just i was just about to say that is um that is definitely uh if i think of this word i'm gonna tell y'all because it was good all right number three influence this, yeah no like no some, some, not some badass s but some like you know oh some drop mic shit that's what it was like <laughs> drop the mic it's named after me but i don't even have to go that's some drop mic shit i still don't know who frank patrick colleen is though <laughs> so he can't be if that you great. live in colleen and Maybe. you don't know who frank patrick colleen is let us know all right and number three in december 1991 one of colleen's high school football teams the colleen kangaroos won the 5a division one state football championship by defeating sugarland Dolls. 14 to 10 in the Astrodome. Does anyone care about that? Probably not, but there really wasn't much to find out about Colleen. So, 
they named that. it. They named it after a guy that has never been there. So. Yeah. He didn't even care enough to go put some facts about his own place. So <laughs> don't expect anyone else to. All right. So on the afternoon of October 16th, 1991, the day after his 35th birthday, George Hennard had breakfast at a local convenience store, which he did frequent um, out of Belton, Texas. Um, Belton is not very far. Um, after he finished, he drove 17 miles to Colleen, Texas, rammed his truck into the front window of Luby's cafeteria. He gets out of his truck, pulls out a nine millimeter handgun and assassinated 23 people while injuring 27 others before shooting himself. What nightmare took place in Luby's that day? Okay. 24 people total dead, 23 plus him, right? Mm, right. All right, Jamie, this is the 30th anniversary of this case. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember it. Like I said, I was 13 years old when it happened. I remember it being on TV. I remember I remember thinking, oh, Lubies? Like, I love Lubies, right? We'll, we'll talk about Lubies for those non-Texans yeah. out there. But um, I have watched a lot of true crime, right? We've read a lot of true crime. We talked about this. But girl, this case was something else. I mean, just the way the the way he pulled it off and kind of leading up to what happened. So, guys, for 16 years, it actually held the number one spot for the largest mass murder in American history. Now, this was until Virginia, the Virginia Tech shooting in 2007. Um, It is the second deadliest mass shooting in the state of Texas after the 2017 Sutherland Springs shooting. That was the church one, right? Yeah, that was the church one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So let's talk a little bit about George Hennard and what led up to the massacre. Uh, so George Hennard was born in uh, Sarah, Pennsylvania, um, October 15th, 1956. Um, his dad was a physician actually in the army. Um, his mom was a homemaker. She had three kids, and he was actually the oldest of the three. So people that knew that family, Jamie, they said they were just kind of cold to each other, just a little bit distant. They, The parents weren't really like doting and loving parents. They didn't see them kiss all over their kids or hug all over their kids. So I kind of got the vibe going through this that this family was not very close. Yeah. So... um it, it just kind of seems like the closeness, the 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 connection of having other, you know, human connection. It seems like these guys weren't really kind of into that as a family. So because of the dad's profession, um, they moved around quite a bit. So now we're in like 1973, 1974, and George's dad was actually stationed at Fort Bliss. So Hennard was attending high school right there in New Mexico. People described him as kind of a loner, you know, having a temper, um, and he didn't really have too many actual friends. Um, I actually read that he suspected one of his classmates of stealing his hat, and he basically terrorized this kid and this kid's family. He would, like, go to their house and start stand outside and just start screaming at him. Yeah. It's like a leather hat or something, right? Yeah. Is that what I yeah, read? I was yeah. Like- yeah. I mean, oh, maybe back then it was like those leather baseball caps. Remember back? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh dear. I don't know. So I mean, I don't know if the kid stole it. Maybe maybe he did steal it. But who goes to someone's house and just starts like mm. literally cussing out the parents? Right. Um, so that's kind of what we're starting to see is is just more of like his anger issues. Um, but after Hennard finished school, uh, he decided to join the Navy, which. That was pretty common back then to go into the military when, as a male and, and you're done with high school. Um, but after only three years of service, he was honorably discharged. 
Right. So he didn't make it um, too long into into the military. Um, after he was discharged, though, he joined the Merchant Marines. So he started to get in trouble when he joined the MM again with that temper. And now we're let's we're going to talk about some drug use. Okay, so in 1982, he was put on probation because of a fight with a black crew member um, that he had aboard a ship. Um, and later, Hennard would say Jamie that it was. Um, racially motivated a racially motivated fight um so according to james dunlap a friend and roommate of hennard he was openly hostile towards blacks hispanics gays and especially women so Mm. this will be key kind of when when we're going forward talking about the victims and so forth so dunlap would say that he hated his mom so he would talk about hating his mom um talked about hating his girlfriend didn't have a girlfriend most of the time right right he did hire prostitutes a whole lot to you know service his needs over the years basically right um so i think it's kind of safe to say that hennard hated women just from what you read and i read right yeah and as the more you go on and read about this and then maybe even more when we go on talk about this case you'll he definitely did not like women at all no not at all almost almost kind of put himself out to harass them you know, yeah. it wasn't just like a natural, like, right. if he's engaging with them and something is said, then he's going to, like, say something back. He kind of went out of his way. He did go out of his way, for sure, because there's probably going to be parts in here, too, that, yeah, it's, yeah, it was bizarre, very bizarre. And that's why it was so interesting reading about this, because it was like, the more you read, mm-hmm. the more you found out, it was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he lived... um in Belton, when he, we'll talk about that with his house and stuff. Yeah. But he would basically, when women would drive by, he would just scream obscenities at them. A lot of people mm-hmm. in his neighborhood said he did like yard work all day, right. all the time. Yeah. So he was always raking leaves or doing something in his front yard. So anytime you would see a woman drive by, he literally would just yeah. start yelling at them. Exactly. Yeah. Just so weird. Um, I also read that he um, preferred foreign women over American women. Because American women were manipulative and not as well behaved as foreign women. Well, because didn't he travel to like Singapore and stuff? Oh, with yeah. the, like f- with the military yeah. or whatever it was. So we all know what, what happened back, right? right, right. And it probably still happens now. But yeah, they would go and pick up the ladies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, um, growing up, not being very close with this family, it doesn't help that his parents divorced in 1983. Um, And I think this started to just sort of add fuel to the, you know, the hatred fire that sort of already was lit in the sky about Mm -hmm. women. All right. So at this point, he is working as a merchant marine. Okay, but in 1989, the U.S. Coast Guard permanently bans him from working at sea when he is caught with marijuana. But okay, I'm going to stop here for a second. Okay, because, Jamie, I said something to you about this when I was researching this case. Right. Um. He basically goes to them after this happens, right? And he's like, listen, I know I have a problem with drugs. I've had a problem with drugs since I was in high school. Yeah. I would like to go into rehab and get myself some help. But the marijuana was not the issue here. The, mar- the, the alcohol was the issue here. He had a bad drinking problem at this point, right? Yeah. And we'll learn later on that he was, he gets in trouble mainly for, for the alcohol. But 
it's not the alcohol that gets him banned. It's the marijuana. And I'm just such, I, I mean, can we just decriminalize this stuff and stop ruining lives? Because it's not, I'm not making excuses for this guy, but there are people that are sitting in jail for marijuana possession and it's a waste of tax money. It's a, it, it's not something I feel like needs to ruin lives. Yeah. Well, and you got to think though, I mean, it's come a long way. This was back in 1990, right? And then there was also, like, laws when it comes to, like, well, not only the Marines, but when you're, like, at sea, on ships, yes. there's certain yes. laws that have to right. have to be yes. abided by because everybody on the ship basically yes. can get in trouble for one person yeah. having... And I'm not even so much talking substance. as, like, at a job, right? This was his yeah. job. Like, I wouldn't expect someone to go and have marijuana in their in their locker, right? If they're if they're on a job or, right. or even use it on their job. But I mean, I guess I'm just more talking about recreationally. I just feel like there's we hear about it all the time from mm-hmm. the government and mm-hmm. on the news about, you know, so and so has been in jail for this long and it was for marijuana possession or marijuana possession or they've gotten ten years for a certain amount of marijuana possession. Like I feel like there is just I feel like that is not a I know it's a sensitive subject, but I feel like it ruins too many lives and it actually helps. And I feel like there's a lot of states who have legalized it and are doing well with yeah. a lot of things, including, including criminal activity, including the tax money that they've made off of it. And I feel like oh, there's yeah. a way to do it um, to where it's not hurting, but helping. Right. And I'm going to end it there. Yeah. <laughs> there's a way to do it. I, I believe Alcohol definitely is more of a bigger problem. But I think yeah. in this yeah. particular situation, it was more of a law. It was a job. Sure. Absolutely. You know, but the military. But yes, there are many, many people that are sitting in jail and we're paying for them to sit in jail. Yeah. For having not large quantities, not like they were distributing. They weren't like, you know, some I big know. cartel or something there. Yeah. And maybe it's a case by case basis. I'm just saying yeah. our government, I feel like, can can start making some headway um, yeah, with decriminalizing when it comes yeah. to stuff like that. So we can only hope. All right. So he tells the Coast Guard, I love working at sea. Like, I know I have a problem. I know I have a problem. Um, so he tells them he's going to go enroll in rehab and try to get his life back on track. Uh, so. In 1991, the year of the shooting, um, he started working in construction, Jamie, because they upheld the revocation of his license at sea, right? So he cannot go back to his job at sea anymore. Right. Um, So I think that is kind of the first trigger in his mind um, is the fact that he can't go back to the job he loves. Right. So Mm -hmm. I think it started there. I think it was just not being able to go back to being a seaman. So after he is banned in 1989, he moves into a big two-story home in Belton, Texas, that is owned by his mom. So in, in 1989, though, his mom was actually living in Henderson, Nevada. So their relationship wasn't great. They fought a lot. People would say that he didn't like his mom. Um, in the summer of 1990, he did go to Nevada to visit her. But while he's there, he just kind of gets in trouble. He's abusing alcohol. Well come to learn that he's buying firearms um and then so basically jamie he's going back and forth from henderson nevada to belton texas okay so his mom's there back and forth um okay so here we are 1991 the year of the shooting um and in my opinion everything is just starting to come to head for this guy and he is just a ticking time bomb all right and jamie i think it's now time for a wine recess yeah, yes, yay yes. 
Okay, so I really like this wine. And I'm not just saying that Salado Winery because <laughs> you're awesome and send us wine. I mean, I really, really like this. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good because I'm, you know, we've said this a million times, but bread has grown on me and this one, this one's up there. I like this one for yes. sure. Yes. Um, I, I definitely like it. And we are sipping this during the day. Yeah. Right? Which we had considered doing the Chardonnay they sent us, but we're like, you know what, red, it was kind of rainy this morning. And so we were like, you know what, we're going to go with the red, but I'm glad we did. I really, I really, really like this. Um, yeah, it's not heavy by not any means. All. Not at all. And I like how I did not know the grapes were grown in Temple, Texas, which is just right outside of um, Salado. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, we'll get to know uh, June and their, um, their their winery a little bit more later on in, into the show. But June, thanks again. It's really, really yummy. We love it, June. Thank I was telling Brandy um, that that's my uh, that was my grandma's name mm-hmm. and also my mom's middle name. Oh, I didn't know it was your mom's middle name. Yeah. Aw. Yeah. I sent that. To you, <laughs> I read the first part. Was there, no, was there a second part to it? Okay, yeah, it's all, right. all, all good. It was late last night, but yeah, oh. no. So that in my family, so like my mom has her mom's name as her middle name, and then my Aww. middle name is my mom's name. Okay, and so forth. So, so if I had had a girl. That was always the funny thing we used to say. I was like, what the heck am I going to put with Jamie? That's like the weirdest middle name. Like, but no worry, folks. I don't have any kids, so. The world is you safe. never know. <laughs> the world is safe. That's not true, Jamie. I would trust you with my kid. I trust you with my kid. Yeah, well, <laughs> no. I would. I would. You know, I love kids. You know, just never had any of my own. So there you go. Um. All right, Jamie. Okay, and we need some bread, Katie Miller. Oh yeah, we are excited. Our friend Katie is actually found this new love of baking bread, and so we thought, why not eat bread and have wine during our wine recess? <laughs> break bread, <laughs> break bread, have some cheese. So, Katie, we're looking forward to that. Yes. All right, girl, you ready to get back to the case? Yep. All right, let's do it. All right, so let's talk a little bit about George's life in 1991. Okay, so just like any other criminal investigation or when you have a crime without a clear motive, um, the key factors are most likely going to come um, when you're talking to people that knew him, you know, trying to see what was going on in this guy's life that just made him lose his shit, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's talk about George's 1991 timeline, which is going to lead up to the Luby's massacre. So at the beginning of 1991, um, he finds out, like we said, he is not going to return to the job he loves as a seaman, really, ever again, right? So then a month after that, he legally obtains two firearms, a Ruger P89 9mm pistol and a Glock 9mm pistol in Henderson, Nevada. So now based on interviews and testimony from people that knew him, uh, they do believe that he had a history of mental illness, right? Yeah. So, but because he was never committed by a court, you know, to a mental mental health institution, there was no record of any mental illness. Now, the reason this matters is because on because of federal law, people can't buy firearms and if they've been committed to a mental facility, right? Right. So, un, under a court order, so there was no record of it. So he was easily um, able to obtain these um, two guns. So in June 1991, Hennard was arrested in Nevada after he was found drunk in his truck. 
Um, He was fined for possession of two loaded firearms. So he pled guilty to driving under the influence of alcohol um, and was charged with firearm possession in this case. Yeah. And this part's kind of messed up to me because his fine was 150 bucks, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they gave him back his firearms. They sure did. And guess what he ended up killing all these people with? I know. It's just... That's so crazy to me. Like that could have prevented all. Like, well, no, it, you can't say it could have prevented everything. Yeah, he could. But have just he could have just gone somewhere. and got some more. Yeah, but it sure didn't make it easier for no. him. No, he paid a fine and got his got his guns back. So yeah. he he um, and bucks. then he was out. He went back to Texas. So. Now I did read conflicting reports on whether or not he had a girlfriend in 1991. So okay, let's say he had a girlfriend. It didn't mm-hmm. last. No, I, I read like she had like another guy, and then like took that guy to him and said like this is my new man basically I want to have nothing to do with you but I don't know if that's a true story I don't know because yeah because I also read that he took her to like some restaurant of some guy that he like idolized that was another like mass killer or something and he took her to this restaurant and was like this is like where he did the, like it was weird what? and she was like and then he started talking all weird stuff like wouldn't it be kind of cool like what would you think like if a like killing somebody yeah and she was like uh i'm out (laughs) oh my i hadn't i did not read that yeah (sighs) really that's what i'm telling you this case you could just read and read yeah there guys and there is so much information i mean we could i mean especially with the victims right there's there's 23 people we could sit here and talk about today and 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 we wish we could, but you wouldn't listen that long. <laughs> and no, because all their stories mean something, please, right? They do. And so please like, go read, go read, you know, find, do your own little research on this because there is a lot yeah. of stuff out there about this case. Um, okay. So no girlfriend anymore, whether no. he had her or not, <laughs> she's not there any longer. No. Okay. So let's talk about what happened at Luby's that day. It's lunchtime and the place is packed. It was just afternoon when George Hennard drove his blued Ford pickup truck through the front window of the restaurant. So obviously, Jamie, you have a packed restaurant. Some people are eating. Some people are standing in line. Mm -hmm. Um, And with all the commotion going on, there are many reports on what happened after that. Okay. So before we go any further, I want to describe Luby's for everyone, (laughs) just in case people aren't familiar with the restaurant. Um, because I think knowing the layout of the place and how how it go like how how it goes how how it runs and, and the whole idea behind it, um, I think that will kind of help us visualize what is actually going on in that place that day. Okay, so Luby's is a Texas-based restaurant. Um, I think there's one or two I read in Mississippi, but I don't even know if they actually are still there. Uh, but the headquarters are in Houston, Texas. So fun fact about Luby's, if you did not know, it's actually the same restaurant group that owns Fuddruckers, mm-hmm. which we know started to close its doors, you know, after the pandemic started. Yeah. Um, it is pending liquidation at the moment, I did read. So there is some uncertainty about whether or not Luby's will actually make it, but it is a Texas staple. It's been around for a long time and really there's one three minutes away from where we are right now. Yeah. So I remember the one across from... Newman Smith, which was the yes. high school. We used to go there all the time. Yes. So like when this went down so in 91, we were freshmen in high school. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, and Loopies is good. Yeah, it's fish. Well, Brandy's going to tell you a little bit more, but yeah. Did you say fish? The fish gets oh, the so fish. good there. I know the a lot of people always went for the fish. Go for the fish if you go to Loopies, guys. Trust me. <laughs> so and funny. get a whole piece. Don't get a half piece. <laughs> Crap. I hate when people I will tell that's called the Luan platter. Half of a piece of fish. If you're 80, I get it. Maybe your stomach has shrank. Which 90% of their, or, uh, their <laughs> clientele is in their ni- it's their 90. But get a whole it. damn piece of fish, okay? Like, young people Stop with don't Leave. go to Luby's unless they go with grandma, grandpa, or their I don't parent. want half of your fish either. Like when I go up to the line, I don't want to see half of it just sitting there. No, thank you. All right. So since Luby's is a cafeteria, you go in, you grab a tray, you walk down a line where employees are serving the food, right? So it's yeah. cafeteria style, just like when you were in school. Just like elementary. <laughs> just like elementary Move school. Move it along, people. But you get to pick. They don't just throw it on yes. the tray. It's not like jail. <laughs> There's a menu on the wall, and you have about three seconds to look at that menu. <laughs> that old lady with her walker behind you is like, move it along. I need my fish. If you're, if you're younger and you can see the menu from from all the way to the back of the line, you're great. But if you're a little older and you have to go all the way up to the line to like look at the menu, the jello and the salad are like... <laughs> The jello and the salad are about to start. So you better hurry up and look at that shit. Right. They want to know what you want. Get to the end of this, okay. the little desserts in the cups. It's like, which one? Keep moving. <laughs> Keep moving. You have to decide what jello you want before you actually what food Green you want to eat. <laughs> Green or Sorry. red? Sorry. <laughs> Oh shit! Uh, we're going to lunch at Luby's, guys. It's uh, we're going. It's down. Okay, so. <clears throat> Anyways, all right, so you get everything you need in that line, and then you pay at the end of the line, okay? And then you just go find a seat, like, it's just random seating. So where Hanard ran his truck through the window, it's actually where people would be standing in line to order their food. Um, so... And the reason I say that is because when you enter a Luby's, you go to the right, it, you know, the, the line circles around. So there's like a big window, right? Right. That's in the front of, of, and, and I'm telling you guys, most layouts of all Luby's are the same. So mm-hmm. there's that big window. You're like looking out the window <laughs> and then, yeah. So that's where the truck comes yeah. through. And of course, the first thing people are going to do when that happens is check on the driver right? Is the driver okay? Is there a passenger in the car? So their first instinct is to see, you know, who's in the car and do they need any help? Right. Did they hit the gas instead of the brake? Right. Is it a 90-year-old lady driving right. and lost control or right. an old man or whatever? Because that's the type of clientele. Right. One witness and said And who the hell thinks that someone's going to come driving through I the freaking window when you're standing like in cattle form right it's basically right. what it's like yeah. it's like herding cattle you just go down the line and round you go right right and, and it one of the young girls um, a witness said that um she thought it was actually a storm she thought like lightning oh, had struck or like there geez. was like it was like bl- some you know like a tornado was blowing right. through the place so guys unfortunately the bystanders have no idea what they are walking into Hanard gets out of his truck and the first person he shoots Jamie is a man that's on the ground that was basically hit by his truck when he went through the window. He turns to his right and there's another helpless man on the ground and he shoots him as well. So according to witnesses, he starts to make his way down the line of people. Okay. Now guys, I want you to envision this. I want you to envision standing in line waiting to, 
to get a tray to pick up your food. Like when we say there was a long line, I guarantee you there was at least 50 people standing in that line. I think it was, yeah, well, probably because I think they said there was like 150 in the restaurant yeah. altogether. Yeah, oh, it was packed. So, Lu- yeah, Luby's is popular at lunch. Yeah. Because it's cafeteria, it's quick. Yeah. Cheap. Right? Cheap. Good. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's really, yeah, it's good. So, so guys, he starts making his way down the line of people just shooting one after another. But people will also start to say that he started skipping over the men and was started targeting just women. Mm-hmm. And even more disturbing, before he would shoot the women, he would call them a bitch before doing so. Witnesses say he unloaded the gun on the patrons and then reloaded before continuing to shoot, shoot people. Somebody said, Jamie, he reloaded three times. They remember him reloading three times. Oh my um, so naturally, there's chaos. People are running, hiding under tables. Um, I read that some workers were hiding in the freezer, and I and I also read that there was a guy found in the dishwasher who oh. was hiding, and he didn't want to come out. And the cops actually found him while he was searching. They were searching the place. Oh my goodness! That thing turns on automatically too when you shut the thing. You know, like it's like I one know. of those. Like, I don't know. I wonder if he like pulled like in like in a craze, like pulled the things out so he could fit. Yeah, but like when you, you know get I mean? in and you shut that thing down. It yeah. automatically get, like I don't know maybe he like pulled it to or where unplugged it, it or something. Uh, I, I mean, hell, I would sit in there and be washed a million. Yeah, times he didn't want to come out. Than, he I, didn't want to come out. So the chaos is not just happening inside, though. The nine one one calls are flying in from all kinds of people. So the nine one one dispatchers um, were being just inundated with calls about the shooting. Um, Guys, if you can find, um, there was a video that I watched that had some of these 911 calls overlapping each other. Yeah. I mean, it was crazy. People were calling and saying, I'm in the bathroom, you know, or I'm at the payphone by the bathrooms, or my sister is at the Lubies, or I live near there and I could hear it. Like, crazy stuff, right? Yeah, because there was no cell phone. Well, there were cell phones, but they were like very, very rare. Very rare, yeah. So... Jamie, the shooting rampage lasted for 12 minutes. Mm-hmm. That's a long time. Yeah. That's a long time. Um, so the, the shooter, according to witnesses, the shooter kept circling the cafeteria, grabbing people from under the tables and just shooting them. I mean, can you imagine mm-hmm. hiding under a table and somebody just grabbing you and just shooting you, right? Yeah. And these people are just watching this. So... Um, we were, we wanted to get a few like testimonials from different people that were there, right? Because we did, you know, we did watch some videos about people, but, um, one of them was Susanna Hupp. Okay. So she and her parents, um, were just watching in shock, right? Across the room. She said her father rushed to the gunman, giving his life to try to save the others. She says, quote, my dad broke away from my grasp and I ran at the man. He saw my dad coming and simply turned to him and shot him. My dad went down in the aisle between me and the gunman, and I knew he wasn't going to make it. Hub said she and the others escaped after a man inside broke out a back window, um, but her mother stayed behind to be with her husband of 47 years. Mm. They had just had their 47th wedding anniversary, and she wasn't going anywhere without him, she said. As she cradled my father and the cops began to arrive, they saw the gunman walk to my mother and they say she looked up at the gunman, put her head down and he pulled the trigger. And that's how Jamie, the cops knew which one was the gunman. Mm. That's just awful. So there was a deputy having lunch um, and he eventually takes a shot at, and hits Hanard. Uh Cops arrive. There is a shootout between Hanard um, and the police 
uh, he was hit by gunfire and injured. And then he turns the gun on himself, Jamie, and shoots himself in the head. Colleen police were so overwhelmed, um, they called the military in to help. So I, I read and listened that the bodies laid at rest for six hours before anybody, any bodies were moved out. Um, family members were standing in the parking lot for hours just waiting to see if their relatives were inside, that were inside, were dead or alive. Um, and the police had also asked the military if they would um, be able to take some of the bodies out by helicopter. Yeah. So according to witnesses, as Hanard continued on his rampage, he was yelling out things like, I hope you are happy, Belton. This is what Bell County has done to me. Look what Texas has done to me. He was said to be smirking when he was shooting the women. Out of the 23 people killed, 17 of them were women. Okay, so let's talk about the motive. Mm, there's so much. So even though there's not a clear motive, right? Uh, because mass murders and stranger-on-stranger murders are very rare, right? Mm. It's usually, usually someone is killed by somebody they know more than somebody that they don't know. So this is unusual. Um, so what made a man run his truck into a crowded restaurant and just start shooting total strangers? Um, so, Jamie, I'd like to hear what you think. But to me, it's pretty simple. I think he hated women. I think he hated the world. I think he was super, a super angry guy. I think we've got some mental illness there. I think he was an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. I think... Um, I, I think I, it was a big combination of it, things. Total he, combination. He did not have a good relationship with his mom. His dad even like shaved his long hair off of his head at one point in time when he was like a teenager, I think right before he went away. Um, There's even parts that I read about. Did you read about like being a copycat killer for the movie, the Fisher King? Yes. He saw the, or a ticket was found. Right. So, I mean, there was just so much. I don't, I mean, it was just crazy. Like I said, it was like the more I read about this, I was like, when I read a part with the movie thing and the movie, like, and I was like, this is, but it all builds up to that. Right. But for, for him to see that movie, it was only a few days before. Yeah. I mean, that probably didn't help to his state of mind. Um, I actually heard and, and read that he wanted to do this on his birthday which was actually the day before he actually did the murders. So, right. So I think on his birthday, he went to eat at that restaurant, right? And mm-hmm. they were coming down with the, oh gosh, I wrote it down here somewhere, with the case the with um, with Anita Hill and Clarence Thomas. Remember okay. the mm-hmm. sexual harassment case? Mm-hmm. So he went to this restaurant every single night. Right. And ate. Right. And he normally got like a cheeseburger, a... Um, order of nachos and fries and a coke oh, yeah. well, this particular day he only got a burger and like fries or something anyway i don't know why i was reading all this stuff it's so crazy but he started yelling at the tv like screaming at the tv like mm-hmm. she's a bitch can't believe that they're gonna like you know mm-hmm. go down with this case and yeah. if y'all have never if y'all don't know anything about that case it was like a big sexual harassment case here yeah. um in texas but yeah apparently he lost his stuff mm-hmm. at the restaurant mm-hmm. and the owner of the restaurant was like you need to get out but anyway yeah, so there was just so much stuff there was the letter too that he wrote I to know. those girls yes the two sisters yeah on history saying oh i'm so glad you're groupies mm-hmm. you know i mean there was just this dude. it was five pages yeah 
to two so guys women were, that didn't even know who the hell he was. Yeah, guys, we're talking about two women that were sisters that lived either on his street or in his neighborhood. And he sent them a five-page so letter just basically trying to say you suck. He said something about how yeah. women are venomous or something. It was like yeah, weird. And weird. then, but I'm glad that you guys are my groupies. Yeah. <laughs> it was mentally. It's so we just think up. mentally off. And, you know, unfortunately this type of crime is the worst, Jamie, because it just leaves so many unanswered questions, well, yeah. you know, for families that want answers, right? You want answers. Um, and for the survivors that day, because listen, it's been 30 years, but I'm pretty sure that, they relive this moment every day of yeah. their lives. It was senseless. You know? It was so senseless. Yeah. There wasn't even one person in there that he was angry at. No. It was just innocent people having lunch. Yeah. Sad. Which tell which just goes to show you that anything can happen anywhere. Yeah. Which is sad, but the world we live in. Okay, so a clerk at that convenience store where we're talking about that he ate all the time, um, he had breakfast that morning, guys, before the shooting. And a clerk at that convenience store, her name was Mary, and she said, quote, George never smiled when he came in here. He just seemed like he had the world on his shoulders. He was a loner. He never talked. But yesterday, he seemed almost calm, even a little friendly, for the only time that I can remember. And usually, I was scared of him. There are 23 people, Jamie, that lost their lives that day, and I wish we had the time to talk about each and every one of them, but we at least wanted to say their names out loud to know that they might be gone, but they haven't been forgotten even after all this time. Yeah. Patricia Carney was 57 out of Belton. Jimmy Carruthers was 48 out of Austin. Camille Davis was 62 out of Colleen. Stephen Dottie was 43 out of Copras Cove. Alfonso El Al Gracia was 71 out of Copper's Cove. Ursula Gracia was 67 out of Copper's Cove. Deborah Gray, 33 years old, out of Copper's Cove. Michael Griffith, 48, out of Copper's Cove. Dennis Henahan, 70, out of Metz, Missouri. Claudine Humphrey, 63, out of Marlin. Sylvia King, 30 years old, out of Colleen. Zona Lynn, 65, out of Marlin. Connie Peterson, 41 years old, out of Austin. Ruth Puyall, 55 years old, out of Copper's Cove. Suzanne Rashett, 36, out of Copper's Cove. John Romero, Jr., 29, out of Copper's Cove. Thomas Simmons, 33 years old, out of Copper's Cove. Glenn Arville Spivey, 55, out of Harker Heights. Nancy Stansberry, 44, out of Harker Heights. Olgica Taylor, 45 out of Waco. James and Lula Wash, I'm sorry, James and Lula Welsh, 75 years old, both out of Waco. Iva Juanita Williams, 64 out of Temple. And Jamie, that concludes episode four of season two, The Man Behind the Massacre. Yeah. So that couple that's up that you read, mm-hmm. they were um, Alfonso Al and or, Ursula. Gr- and Ursula, mm-hmm. their daughter was with them. Mm-hmm. She survived, and she was a gun carrier. But back then, you couldn't have a concealed weapon. So she said she wished that she had her gun on her and that she could possibly have stopped them. She went on to work for the Texas State of Representatives oh. as one of the ones that actually got, <clears throat> excuse me, actually got um, 
the law to where you can carry and you can conceal. I did not know yeah. that. Isn't that crazy? And I always something say good. something good comes out of something yeah. bad always, right? Yeah. Even if it just affects one person. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, so, I didn't know that. She went out and did good things. So. Well, guys, we um, appreciate you listening and, and to all of the victims and the victims' families. You know, you're, you're not forgotten. If you want to see pictures related to this case, you can find them on our Instagram and Facebook page, Texas Wine and True Crime. All right, Jamie, are you ready to review this week's wine? Yes, ma'am. All right. Okay, June, I'm going to brag on you a bit because Loyal Blue is the only one we've tasted. We've got two other ones um, from Salado Winery um, that we're going to try, but... Um, as Jamie mentioned, we are really, really liking this one. Um, the bottle is almost gone. Yeah, it's um, yeah. There's maybe one glass left. <laughs> Who's gonna get it? Who's gonna get it? We, we share. We share. <laughs> I share with you. Oh, so it's so good. Okay, so I definitely taste the plum, mm-hmm. and even the color of it reminds me of plum. It is pretty. Um, so I like the color again. Like I said, I love the label. Um. I really, I, I haven't drank a lot of Tempranillo, but 100% grown in Texas, love that, and in Temple, Texas, which is right out of Salado. Um, we've got to go visit. I, I, I don't like picturing things in my head, right? I'm totally, I'm probably totally wrong about it, what it actually looks like there, where the grapes are growing. Right. So I need to go and see this. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Let's go. I should have looked. I know, right? <laughs> I should have looked at, I think Tempranillo, I think it's like a Spanish grape, right? Or it used to be. Maybe or Mexican grape, I don't. And then mm-hmm. I don't know. Texas helped save a lot of grape vines back yes. when a lot mm-hmm. of stuff was going on. So, um, but yeah, this is really good. It I is like really it. good. June, I'm love giving. You, June. Thank you. We love you, June. And June, I'm giving this four and a half stars. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't do stars. I do corks. <laughs> we take you, stars. We want five stars. <laughs> wait. Why did I why did I say four and a half? We're going five. We're going five. Woo, woo, woo. I kind of did that on purpose, you guys. I was gonna give this five. I said four point five. June, you get five awesome, beautiful corks from us here at Texas Wine and True Crime. It is delicious. I actually wish I had another bottle, but we have another red. Jamie, that is a blend of this grape. Mm, nice. So let's can't wait. Are we going to do it now? No. I know. I know. No, I'm no, like, no, no, okay. No. Darn it. I got stuff to do today, man. Oh, you do? Okay. Well, Chris and I, we're no. I <laughs> well, if y'all are opening, then I'm staying because I gotta. I've got to try it too. Okay. Come on now. Okay. June. I know. We said we would wait to open all these, but man, your wine is good. So thanks for sending it to us again. Um. So I wanted to give you guys a little backstory on Salado Winery from our friend June that sent it directly to me. So she said, some folks start with a fortune and go into the wine business, but we did not have that luxury as we met each other as U.S. Army officers while stationed in Germany. We went on to travel the world, and in 2003, we chose to settle down and grow a business in Salado, Texas. Salado is a perfect place to grow a winery and a family. We planted a vineyard in 2005 and started selling Texas wines as Salado Wine Cellar. In 2008, we moved into our two-story building and started making wine in 2010. Thank you, June, for sending this to us. That's a cool story. It is a cool story. I cannot come wait to visit. I have actually never been to Salado. Have you, Jamie? 
No, there's a lot of places in Texas I haven't been. It's a big state. <laughs> it is. But we need to start going and like um, visiting people, yeah. doing different things. Yeah. We, there's just so much to see. We literally could just travel around Texas and have for like a to year. Do. For like and a you, year. Yeah, we, it's, not, it's not a joke. It's actually not a bad idea either, considering COVID. And I don't have to get on a plane. Yeah. <laughs> Except you got homeschool, husband. Oh, yeah. Well, I can take a laptop on the way. <laughs> I don't really have many responsibilities other than my <laughs> our business, our other business. But uh, yeah, we could figure something out. We need to come. So June, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, your wine is awesome, and we are corking it five corks. All right, guys. Jamie and I love supporting all businesses. We are business women and entrepreneurs ourselves. So if you want to hear your name and company on our show, just email us at team t e a m at texaswineandtruecrime.com and we can tell you how you can bring awareness to your business on our show. Okay, Jamie, every week we share an organization or just an idea that inspires us to be givers and better people in general. Uh, so what did you come up for us today? So today it's going to be GVS. That's G as in George, V as in Victor, S as in Sailor. I okay. Don't <laughs> I don't really Army. know the go words. Um, but anyway, it's for gun violence survivors. So you got to think all the people that went through this massacre, right? I can't even imagine. Like, Remember, pe- 27 injured, right? Yeah. There were people shot that so did there, not die. So there's injured, and then there's people that were in there that weren't injured, but That's still right. went Had through the whole... Trauma. Yeah. Crazy, mm-hmm. crazy, crazy. So this is just a really cool foundation that they set up. Um, you can go on their website and donate. Obviously, you can create your own like fundraiser and link it to... and Just check out the website, but... They just have they have a couple quotes on there like a bullet does not discriminate, does not have its own agenda and impacts innocent people regardless of race, gender or class. So I was like, oh, that's so true. Um, This now they don't lobby or advocate for or against gun control or legislation, legislation. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's kicking in. Um, In America, they're just there to support the, the people that survive this stuff, whether it be parents of a, of a kid that got shot or yeah. you know due to like gang related things or you know something like we just talked about you know where your daughter like you are the daughter that survives after your parents were killed or a husband or a wife right. or whatever because anyway. we know there were children in there you know yeah. what i mean there were all yeah, t- yeah, different yeah. ages different people in there exactly so he the guy that started this um he he's from pennsylvania Yes, Pennsylvania. Um, but he basically, his friend got shot uh, when they were at college off campus, like it is an apartment. And okay. he, to this day, was still like suffering with it. So mm-hmm. he just wants to give emotional, physical, and mental support to it's these wonderful. people. So, yeah, it's crazy, but it's a, it's a good foundation. That's so go, yep, gvsfoundation.org. Thank you, Jamie. Yep. Um, PTSD is real. Yeah. Um, when you are affected by anything that has to do with gun violence and yeah. witnessing or anything like that, it's um it's all real. So um, reach out if you know someone that could use that organization. Um, you know, let them know it. And thank you, Jamie. That was a good one. Thank you, thank you. All right, guys. Um, anything else you want to tell our friends out uh, there? No, no? I don't right. think so. 
Well, please, please, please go check out our friends at Salido Winery. Absolutely. Um, check out their website. They will send you wine. Um, then, um, yeah, and when you can travel and go visit. And if you're close, if you're in Colleen or Temple, we have some people who listen that, that live out there. Go and visit this winery. They're open. They yeah. go, go, uh, the sun is out today. I would be sitting outside right now. It's nice. I was close by. I would be for sure. For sure. And if you're going through Texas and you see Luby's, hey, they stop. Need, yeah, go they in. They need your business. They go in. I, mean, I know. They Eat survived the fish. this, so yeah, get, they the, did. get the fish. Get the fish. A whole piece, not a half. <laughs> a whole piece. Fuck the half piece <laughs> bullshit. All right. Until next time, friends. Stay safe, have fun, and cheers to next time.